And that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, specifically, the mission of God. <coughs> so if you can hang with me through this, um, this is going to set us up for what we're going to talk about over the next several weeks with the, uh, except for when we have a break for the revival services. But uh, God is doing something here. I don't know if you felt it this morning. We were talking as, a, as the team uh, when we're getting ready and having our kind of our huddle, our prayer before we start. Um, there, there's a, an electricity, a, a spiritual electricity in the air in our church right now. And it just makes me excited. I'm so happy about that. I, I, I'm Man, I just think it's amazing that there's this, the Holy Spirit is with us. He's visiting us. He's present in our services. He's active. He's doing things in people. People are talking to me saying, man, God talked to me about this. God told me this. I want to do this in ministry. I want to, I want to start this ministry. Like there's, God is doing something. And, and I think it's amazing. And so part of that, God told us in the very beginning, the very first part of the year, that this year he wants us to re-engage. And so we spent some time talking about uh, not being a fan of God, but being a fully committed, a fully devoted follower of his. Uh, today we're going to turn our attention a little bit to uh, this upside down mission of God. It's, um, it's, it's different from what the world tells us. It's different from what we may have in mind. And it all stems from this scripture, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And uh, by the way, you can go to the church app and uh, find the notes, message notes in there. There's always more things in there than we have on the screen, but uh, you can get there if you want, or the Bible app has the notes as well. <coughs> Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, you may recognize this scripture as being uh, what God told Abram before he became, became Abraham. And it says that, if you keep going, it says that uh, Abram, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Uh, Paul speaks about that later on in some of his letters in the New Testament. It was credited to him as righteousness because he believed God. This is kind of the, the beginning, the birth of the nation of Israel. But what does that have to do with us and with the mission of God? And that's what I want to talk about today. Today's, uh, the teaching today really is so good that um, it's going to set us up for the next several weeks. The first thing I want to ask you, though, is what is mission? What is mission? Is mission here or there? The problem is that we all have in mind that mission is somewhere else. And even for some of us, maybe it's some other time. Uh, the Christian church has been conditioned, especially in the United States, to believe that mission is done somewhere else in other countries. Uh, at our church, we are, we're a great church of mission. We believe in mission. We just came out of faith promise. All those things are great, and we love mission. Um, but Mission is not only somewhere else. So I love that Kay has talked about, our uh, missions president, that at our church, mission is around the world and across the street. Here's the problem with, with mission and the way we think about mission is that too many people are trying to do a mission for God instead of participating in God's mission. 
Does that make sense? They're, they're trying to do something for God. They're trying to do a mission for God. But God has a mission. And he just wants us to participate in it. Only when we allow the, the power of, of his word, the power of the Holy Spirit to work in and through us, can we truly be on mission with God, which is our theme for this year. Our missions theme is on mission. <coughs> it is, uh, being on mission is being um, about doing the mission of God. And we have in mind, again, we, we have to change our mindset that it's in another place to other people and understand that there's a mission that God is inviting us to be a part of and to participate in. I've even, I've even talked to missionaries recently who don't want to be labeled as missionaries anymore. They consider themselves as pastors just in a different culture, in a different context they're serving, which ideally makes every person here a missionary because you are doing ministry in your own context. So then we come to this phrase you may have heard before and didn't think a lot about it called Missio Dei. Missio Dei. This is the idea. It's Latin for, the, for um, the mission of God. And it's this idea that God's... I'm going to give you a definition, so try to uh, process this, okay? The idea of God's nature and expression extended and stamped onto the world. Does that make sense? His, his nature and his expression extended and stamped onto the world. And it comes to us because God sent, uh, the Father sends, God the Father sends God the Son, sends God the Holy Spirit, and all three commission us as his church to do mission. But it is God stamping his work on all people. I think we might get mission confused. If, if asked, we might say that our mission is as Jesus instructed in Matthew, the Great Commission, right? To go and make disciples of all nations. Like we know that. We've been taught that. We've been, and that's our mission. <coughs> but the Christian mission is actually larger than that. The Christian mission is more than that. God's mission that we're participating in is more than going and making disciples. That's a piece of it. That's a part of it. Because he says it other places too. So in Matthew, he says the Great Commission to go and make disciples. In Luke, it's recorded that John says to his followers, they should go to Jerusalem. You remember this? In Judea and to the ends of the earth. Right? We know that. Or John says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. That's what Jesus is recorded as saying in the book of John. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. So it's this idea of sending. And so we take from that, that because mission is sending, that we're being sent somewhere else if we're called to be a missionary. I remember whenever I was beginning to feel a call to ministry, uh, I was scared to death he was going to send me to Africa. Right? I, like, for me, somehow I equated ministry to going to Africa. <laughs> I was a missionary. And that's not what I wanted. I was like, I don't, God, you're going to have to change me because I don't want to go to, now I want to go visit Africa. But everything I knew about mission at the time was uh, people called to mission, to mi mission, to be a missionary 
were guys who went into the culture and lived in a, a hut. And, you know, I was like, as a 14, 15 year old boy, I did not want that. So why was, if that's not mission then, why is it that the Christian mission early on was so, uh, the sending part was such a large part of the beginning of the church? Well, for one thing, it is what spilled out of them as they became so enamored with God and with his love. But we might look at them and say, well, it was because Jesus told them to. Jesus said to go and make disciples. But remember that in this time, in, the, in the, that first church, in, in the Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, they, they didn't have the Gospels like we do. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They weren't written down like that. They didn't have these words of Jesus. Those came later. So really, we can't say that God had, that Jesus had commanded them in that way. So was it because other world religions were lacking? Think about what was going on at the time. Stoicism. Stoicism was kind of lofty and dry. Paganism, you've all heard about that, was metaphysically incredible, but it was morally bankrupt. Um, mystery religions kind of dark and foreboding. And Judaism was law-bound and introverted. So you, you take what was going on in the world at the time, then it would make sense that Christianity burst onto the scene and, and it filled a void that the others could not fill. <coughs> Excuse me. Now that might be part of what was happening there, but honestly, it doesn't tell the whole story. So what drove early Christians? What compelled the, the first followers of Jesus, the ones who didn't have the written New Testament the way that we do? What drove them? Well, remember that what drove them was, first, that we're talking about the Jews in the beginning, right? They were the Jewish people. What drove them was they knew the story that they were part of. These were Jews we're talking about. Uh, the beginning of the story, when God spoke to Abraham, he knew it was the beginning of a story. And so they could trace it all the way back to that. And they knew that Jesus then was the next step of their story. Thank you. Isn't she wonderful? Thank you. All right, so we're talking about Jews. Are you staying with me so far? Listen, the preaching part is coming. We're in the teaching part now. We're talking about mission and what missionaries are and what mission is. It, it, all that's amazing. So, um, so here's the thing. They knew the story. They knew the story so well because they were part of the story. It was their story. It started with Abram when he was um, called by God to be, uh, to be a blessing to all people. And this was the story they were in, and it goes on that they were in, and it went on to Moses, and the law was given to Moses, and they were led out of Egypt, and, and then they started their own country, and, and they had their own land, and, and it was really the beginning, and they knew the story. They knew the story well. So they would, as they knew this story, the ones who truly believed, they couldn't believe that this next step, this Jesus, they, they would understand that their story had reached a decisive moment. 
This Jesus is the one that we've been waiting on. This Jesus is the one that was promised so early in the beginning. This Jesus is who we were waiting on. So they get all excited and, and out of them spills mission. They just can't help it. They're living the story. It's compelling them. They didn't have to have the command by Jesus to go and make disciples. We have that. Those first 60 years, they didn't. They were just doing it because they were compelled. They knew the story. And that leans into these first missionary journeys. These first missionary journeys resulted in an influx of pagan converts. The pagans got excited that we would say Gentiles today because everybody else was excited. The Jews were coming in. They're all excited. Oh, this is awesome. Look, this is great. God is amazing. Look at the story and you could be a part of it. And pagans were like, hey, I want to be part of that. This is exciting for them. <clears throat> so the result of this mission this is amazing. Go to Acts 15. <coughs> the result of this mission caused the first council to be called. Wouldn't it be awesome if we had to call a council because the result of our ministry was so successful? That's what happened. The, the, the mission was so successful. They said, well, there's so many people coming. We don't know what to do with all of them. All these pagans and Gentiles, they don't know what's going on. Oh, what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's call a council. I love the council's decision, by the way. Here's what they said in chapter 15, verse 29. This is a side note. They had all these arguments. Should we make them be Jews? Do we need them to, to go get uh, circumcised? Do we need them to be converted? Do, how do we do this? What do we do? Are they, are they now Jewish people? And some of, them were, some of the Jews were like, yeah, they need to be Jewish people. Send them all to be circumcised and let's convert them to the Jewish faith. And then others were like, no. no. So they met together. Jesus' brother James wrote a letter, and this is what he said. He was the head of that council. This is, what he, this is what they said, Acts 15, 29. This is what they decided. Remember, 613 laws in the Old Testament, and this is what they boiled it down to. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. <laughs> are you kidding me? They just had taken centuries of rules and regulations and all of the things that the Jews were doing. And they, they boiled it down to this sentence. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You would do well to avoid these things. Welcome to the faith. Welcome to faith in Jesus Christ. Paul explains in that council, if you keep reading ch uh, chapter 15, he quotes in Amos chapter 9, and, and Paul shows to them in that council how the house of David is being restored and the Gentile nations are being brought to bear into the name of the Lord. So we go back. Oh, we gotta, can you go back to the scripture in Genesis? We go back to what he said in Genesis. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is the start of mission. This is where God started it. All people will be blessed through you. You see, this story was so big that it didn't have to be, well, Jesus told us to. They could have said that, but the truth is, he didn't, not in that way. In fact, he was, Jesus 
never commanded them to do. He, he just look in the Old Testament scriptures. He, he pointed always to their story. Can you imagine today if we didn't have the New Testament, how would we convince people of the importance of this faith in Jesus? How do we do that? Jesus always referred to the Old Testament scriptures. Paul points to the scriptures and the story they tell. This story that leads to the gospel going to all people, to every nation. He took this story yet to come aspect to the story of all people. You understand the story yet to come. It was what they were waiting on and he told them the story yet to come, what you've been waiting on, it is now here. It has happened in Jesus. Everything you've been waiting on is fulfilled in him. If you notice, it seems that the foundation for Jesus' great commission even is that. It's the story yet to come. Is being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. All right, if we look at how Jesus commissioned his followers after his resurrection in Luke chapter 24, there's a description of the first day of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 24. And he gives two lectures on that first day. The one, you guys remember the road to Emmaus, famous story. He shows up with two of his disciples, Jesus does, and he's, he's walking a lot, or two disciples, we don't know who they were, just two, two followers, and he walks with them. They didn't recognize who he was, but they were walking on the road and they were so sad because Jesus, this one that we were following, and we thought he was the one and, and he's dead. They're sharing this with Jesus, not knowing that he was Jesus. This redemption that we thought was going to happen, Israel was going to be redeemed. It didn't happen the way we thought it was going to happen. Luke tells us that Jesus went through the, the entire canon of the scripture at the time. He went through the law and the prophets. He went from Moses through the prophets and explained how that it all led to him, Jesus, as the Messiah. He explained how his death and resurrection was indeed the way that God was bringing redemption to the world. You see, they were, <coughs> they were expecting Jesus to come in, reset the world, Jews be in charge of everything, and Jesus the Messiah was going to reign in a, in a physical sense, something that they could see and they would conquer everybody. That was what they were expecting. But what Jesus did, what God did through Jesus is so much bigger than that. It's not just that Jesus is going, one day he is, that will happen. He's, he's gonna sit on his throne. He's gonna judge everybody. He's gonna be ruling. It's gonna be amazing. But what he did was he set up this whole spiritual kingdom and he's bringing redemption to the world. Because, remember, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's not a promise for just you. It doesn't say, and all your people, or all of who will be called the Israelites, because Israel hadn't had all of his children yet. Jacob, remember that story. He doesn't say that. He says, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Then when he was with his disciples that evening, the second lecture, it wasn't, he went through it again. He did the same thing again. It wasn't that he thought they didn't know the scripture. In fact, these guys could probably quote large chunks of the scripture. They didn't have it written down. They didn't carry a Bible like you and I carry. 
they would have had, it, had to have had it memorized. He went through it to help them understand where it led. So Luke chapter 24, verses 44 through 48, he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. So now we have Jesus tying back to Abraham. All nations. It's not just for a single group of people. It's not just for one country. It's not just for one tribe. It is for all people. Usually when we think of missions, we think of the Great Commission, but missions didn't begin with the Great Commission. Missions began with God. It beat first in his heart before it was ever breathed into the church. Starting back in the very beginning when sin entered the world, God said, I have a way to redeem people. So now if we take the Bible story as a whole, we will begin to see how God set to work redeeming all of creation. We have a tendency to group the Bible into Old Testament and New Testament. I've done this myself. You have Old Covenant and New Covenant. This is what was old. This is what's new. But if you take the whole Bible, you begin to see this story that comes together starting with creation. Some people think the Bible is a book that teaches the solution to our sin problem and how to avoid judgment in the end of days. But that's not all the Bible does. The creation story answers two fundamental questions that all philosophies and religions try to answer. Who are we and why are we here? You guys probably hear this before. Who are we and why are we here? So for us to understand the mission of God, we have to see the, the world is full of humans. And remember, humans were made in the image of God and that sets the foundation for mission. So God created Adam and Eve in his image. The fall happened. And as soon as the fall happened, he went to work trying to restore them. All right, so we're looking at the Bible story as a whole. I'm getting ahead of myself. First we have creation and then we have the fall. So this rebellion against God brought disastrous results. And we see evil and sin weave its way into every aspect of the human existence. It just is in everything. And so it's woven into the fabric of humanity. In, in these ways, think about this, physically. Physically, because of the fall, now we are subject to decay and to death. We live in a physical environment that itself is under the curse of God. The dirt is hard. This is part of the curse of God, like when people try to plant. Like this, it's all a curse. There's, there's weeds. It's part of the fall. Like that's not how God created it. Physically, intellectually. You guys will recognize this, what's happening in our society today and it's been happening since the beginning. We act like it's something new, but we use our incredible powers of rationality to explain and excuse and even normalize evil. This is rationality of, uh, power of rationality. Like, it's part of the fall. 
we will rationalize our sin to make it okay. Things that we know is sin, people rationalize it. Socially, every human social, I mean, every human relationship is fractured because of sin and it's disrupted. Think about it parental, familial, uh, suicide, ethnic relationships, international relationships, sexual deviancy. Like, there's everything socially is, is disrupted and broken. Spiritually, we've been alienated from God, we reject His goodness. These are all part of the fall. So we have creation, created in his image. God made it to be perfect. Then there was the fall. And then there's redemption. This is awesome too, because in spite of the fall, God didn't choose to abandon us, his creation. He also did not choose to destroy it. He chose to redeem it. He could have wiped the slate. This is, this is the, the mastery of of God and what he's doing today. From the very beginning, from Abraham, he started over from Abraham and said, man, you guys have made a mess of this, but don't worry. I've got a plan. There, there's an old guy over there. His name's Abram. I'm going to use him. <laughs> Abram, come on. You will be a blessing to all nations. So if we take the whole story of the Bible, we shouldn't read it as two separate parts, but as one whole. So back to our scripture for today. God's plan then was to deal with the problem of humanity, sin and division, through Israel, the people of Abraham. That was his plan. Paul says later on that we have been, as Gentiles, adopted into the kingdom of God. We have been made a part of. We are heirs to the kingdom of God. And then, so what do we do with the law? I was thinking about this. What do we do with the law? The law in the Old Testament. The 613 laws that the, the council said, hey, here's what, just don't eat some of this meat. Stay away from strangled animals. Sexual immorality. Like, they really reduced it. What do we do with the law? See, we don't understand that the law was really a gift of grace. It was uh, not something to be followed to earn redemption because he was already redeeming them. It, it was to shape them as his model people to all nations. He had given them something to help them understand how to be a civilized society following the rule of God. That's what he was trying to do. He, he was, these are people who had been slaves, did not even know how to have a civilization. He was shaping them. So then the New Testament presents Jesus, the Messiah, the one that the law and the prophets pointed toward. Here's the thing. God, who is missional in nature, chose to enter the world himself to inaugurate his reign in a humble and a hidden way. And here's the mission of God. The cross reverses and destroys sin and its effects, which ignites mission. The cross is so important to what we believe and who we are. It has to be central 
to every dimension of the mission of God's people. From personal evangelism among friends to ecological care for creation. And we, we don't think about that very often. But see, the mission of God is to restore all things to himself. This all leads, the, the fourth part of the, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to overgeneralize, but the fourth part, and we're going to talk about this next week, is the new creation. It's, it's the new creation. It's what God is at work now. It's the good news of the kingdom of God. I read an author, his name's Daryl Guder, and this is what he wrote. We have come to see that mission is not merely an activity of the church. Rather, mission is the result of God's initiative rooted in God's purposes to restore and heal creation. <laughs> the mission of God is to restore and heal creation. This is what he's inviting us to be a part of. And when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, he's saying to us, we need to, Jesus, we need to go and invite people into this cosmic, monstrous plan that God is at work restoring all of creation to what he intended it to be. This is what ignited the people because in, in the first church, century church, they realized how broken their world was. They realized how broken they were. They realized where sin had led them. They realized that they lived in a curse, that the ground was hard to work on, that people were dying of unknown diseases. And even today, um, we have broken bodies and people get cancer and people have malformities and people are struggling with um, so their social relationships and people are struggling with their uh, life and there's all these struggles going on and the, the crazy thing is is the way we approach them is to say hey do you want to know Jesus and in that moment they're like I don't care I want to be made well I want to be I want to know that there's a hope I want to know why I'm here. I want to know these deep philosophical answers to these deep philosophical questions. And we have the answer. The mission of God is to restore all things to what he intended it to be. That's what he is. He created us in his image to have bodies that never died. That's where he wants to take us. He created this world to be perfect. Where, um, you know, that's, that's another thing. I had two thoughts happen at one time. This is sometimes what happens. But I was going to say where we don't have to work. But that's not true. God created work. It's just that work, when we work now, is cursed. So it's hard and we don't like it. We should be in a place where food comes easy and where we enjoy our work. and where. But that's where he's taking us. So when we approach people, when we go to tell them, and this is what drove the first century church, they were like, you didn't ever believe. This is a cosmic story. This is incredible. It's amazing. He's going to restore all people. We're going to be redeemed. The sin that you're living in now, you don't have to be bound by that. He wants to set you free. He wants to restore you into that creation that he intended for you to be. In fact, one day, the whole world is going to be restored to the Garden of Eden. Isn't that odd? Do you want to be a part of that? Well, all you have to do is believe in Jesus. 
That's where we get them. That's the mission of God. And that's the mission he's called us to. Now I understand why a missionary doesn't want to be called a missionary. He wants to be called a pastor because he's pastoring people and leading people to Jesus and teaching them the fullness and the wholeness that they can have in this new cosmic reality. Just doing it in their own culture. And that's what he's called all of us to do. Whatever context you're in, your job as a follower of Christ is to lead people to Jesus with this hope that he's given us. It's more than a hope of escaping to heaven that's somewhere else. It is a hope of being restored, of perfect relationships, of a perfect social structure, of a perfect world, isn't that awesome? That's where we're going. Man, let's pray. God, this morning, I don't, uh, I don't know that we even now fully grasp this redemptive story. Forgive us for the times that we have simplified it. Forgive us for the times that we have made it less than the cosmic scope. I don't know what word to use. I, I was talking with uh, my wife this week and saying, I don't, I don't know what word to use. It's, what word's bigger than cosmic? I don't, universe, uh, I don't know. It's big. It's huge. It's, it's, we don't understand it. How can we grasp it? This is what you want to do for us. You want to redeem us, which means you want to take us out of this broken path and you want to restore us. You want me to be spiritually restored. You want me to be socially restored. You want my relationships to be made right. You want me to be set free from sin, you, from bondage. It's amazing what you want to do. And on top of that, you're going to restore the world. Get out of here. It's awesome. I want to be a part of that. We reduce the gospel. Forgive us for the, because we all do it. I do it. Forgive us. And help us as we move forward to understand that you are a God of mission. I mean, almost immediately after people messed up, it, it wasn't very long anyway, not immediately, but it wasn't very long that you started to create a redeeming story. You said, man, you guys have messed this up, but... Abram, why don't you come here and let's do this. We're going to start this thing. It's redemptive. Through you, you will be a blessing to all people. And then we saw Jesus says that to all nations. And Jesus affirms that it's to all nations. It, it's just, it happened through the Israelite story, through the people of Israel. And that's how you chose to, to redeem the world. Again, it's, a, it's so, such a big deal that you would have the foreknowledge and the, for, the, the wherewithal to create such a dynamic and amazing plan and then to see that realized through Jesus. And now that's the part of the story we're in. We're in that part of the story. We're waiting on the new creation. So help us as we talk day to day with the people we talk to. Help us as we create mission. This is us 
re-engaging with you. This is us re-engaging with you. So tomorrow when we go to work or we hang out with our friends or go to home group or whatever it is, go to the grocery store, go to a restaurant, every person we meet, (coughs) I pray that you would help them to see you in us. Help them to see you in us that we might walk around with the hope and our faces would show the hope that we have in you for this new creation. Empower us all. Thank you for being a God of mission. Thank you for the Missio Day. I pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Listen, I just hope that this week, you're talking to people, you will remember the hope that we have in Jesus and understand the story as a whole. Just look at the cosmic reality of it all. It's amazing. It really is. Dig into that this week. And as we're talking about these things, I mean, I'm, listen, I'm doing a lot of reading and and a lot of trying to understand these things, but you do it too. Go home and read the scripture. Read the story, Genesis chapter 12. Read in Acts and Luke that we're talking about. Read and study those things, and you'll be amazed at how you see the story start to weave together. So anyway, God bless you guys. Love you all so much. Uh, Bring a friend next week to revival, uh, revival services. What I want is for Mike to get here and walk in and feel what I felt this morning and say, man, there is a spiritual electricity in this place. And he'll say it, Mike will because God's doing something. He's doing something. Mike's not going to come and find that he brought revival, but a church that is in revival. So, anyway, God bless you guys. Have a great day. We're going to, I'm going to let Bruno wrap us up with this song here and then we'll be dismissed.